Yo, welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are currently discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. And we're on a, a pretty tight, tight schedule. We're, we're seeing through the rest of Rev 1 through 50 here in 2022. And so today, 2021. Whoa, is that what it is? Oh, it's 2021. Yeah, the rest of... (laughs) Hey, but you know what? It could have taken us to the end of 2022 to get through the fucking 1 through 50. Stop fucking around. So maybe that's what threw me off. Jason, why don't you tell them what we have today? Today we're talking about the Texas Reason 7-inch Revelation Records number 47. Does it have a name? Is it self-titled? Texas Reason. Uh, do do fans have a, a loving name for this record, or is it just the Texas is the reason seven inch? I feel like I just called it the seven inch, the yeah. se- like the seven inch, like the fest, because <laughs> um, because the other two releases they have apart from the LP were both split seven inches. Uh-huh. So, so it would be like there's Texas is the reason you got the seven inch, the LP, the split with Samuel, the split with Promise Ring, game over. Mm-hmm. And I have dis- the discography too, but you know, I th- I thought you want to save for the outro or no? To- I thought in my head because we're you just mentioned splits. In my head, Texas is the reason how to split with Get Up Kids. Nope. Who's that? Promise Ring. Um, no, it's, it's one of those postmark stamps comps or like a split where it's like it had to do with like sending letters through the mail you don't know off the top of your head well i don't you know what i'll google it and then we'll talk about it in the outro but before we even get to the interview it's already time to jay Um, you go first oh yeah i want to give a shout out a bit of bow to um chris enriquez from on the might of princes from saint vitus he's part of something called the indie drummer collective and if you look them up on Instagram, he did an interview with Alan Cage. And I thought, I love the drums so much. On Texas, the reason they should do one for Chris Daly. They already have. Oh, so, nice. Something yeah. cool to check out. Yeah, Chris is a good dude. Chris, well, both Chris's, but uh, Enriquez and, and um, Daly and uh, Alan Cage is a freaking beast. Off oh, the yeah. top of your head, what else did Chris Daly play drums on? Jets to Brazil. Jets to Brazil. Resurrection. 108. 108. 108 uh, songs of songs of separation. Uh-huh. Resurrection. Um, you know what? Off the Speaking top of, of my resurrection, head, Altered State is this new band, right? Since yeah. we're here, since we yeah. just mentioned Resurrection, I really just wanted to say in the 90s, I really liked I Refuse. And yeah. then when they did the fucking discography. The sound quality is so crazy how much of a difference it is. I felt like yeah. I was listening to a new record. It's so good. It's one of the rare cases where they did a remix and it it, it annihilates yeah. the um original. Like yeah. I own that discography LP and I think it it makes them sound so much more powerful and it's just so much better that I don't even, you know, usually you get these discographies and I kind of have this desire of someone that buys vinyl to be like, well, I want to get the individual records. Like, I don't care because mm-hmm. the discography just sounds so good. 
Um, but yeah, Jason, resurrection. Jason, if I wanted to uh, get a resurrection, I refused long sleeve shirt with the TV on it in 2022. How much would that set me back? Oh man, Minimum, 150. Yeah, I would say 120, 150 mm. these days. I had but it. Did you? I think I got I it for five bucks. Of course I did. Yeah, of course yeah. I picked one up at Vinyl Solution for like fucking fifteen dollars off the wall. You know, I would say still one of those bands that if you're lucky, you could maybe pull for fifty bucks if I, you had a good okay, search so, day on eBay. My friend Chad uh, was like obsessed with the fuck their mind control shirt that oh, Rob yes. Fish is. Okay. And so a couple of years ago, I hit up Rob. I was like, hey, can I make these? Uh-huh. Can I like make a few? And he like was kind of weird about it and was just like, yeah, I don't know. I guess so. And like, I never got, I've never seen one in the flesh. I don't know what else is on it. I was literally just going to make a shirt that said like, fuck their mind control in like impact font or whatever yeah. it is, you know? And um, so I never did, but I did get one of the death wish when they did that, they made a shirt that said like, I am not youth culture or something. And it had like the kidney print. one of yeah. the most ill-fitting garments I've ever owned in my life. I bought it on Depop, put it on once, never wore it outside of the house. And I maybe even like put it in the rag pile or something like that. Like it was just not even worth <laughs> keeping. Was it a top Dude, I've had, I've had I, that I where know. you get a shirt okay. and you're like, just, just, this is I'll not, never wear this. Yeah. Yeah. But before I uh, finish up with that though, Alan Cage was talking about how you can do drum lessons with him on That's that sick. interview with Chris Enriquez. So think about how annoyed I'd be if just asking Alan to teach me how to play the intro for phaser over and over. Yeah. Hey, but, hey, like I've never played drums before. Can you just like I'm, I got to teach sticks. me how to do this? Just teach me how to do that real quick. It's yeah, easy, right? I just want to do that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh and bit about oh. Adam Tanner from our Patreon and all of our patrons, but he supplied us with some photos of Texas The Reason's first show mm-hmm. at the Equal Vision Warehouse that I used mm-hmm. for the promo for this episode. So, bit up, Bo. Bit up, Bo. Nice. Um, wow, I got? just wanted to give a quick bit up, Bo, to War Records and Indecision Records for uh, Mandel, Dave Mandel. He took some pictures of my band, and I just, I appreciate also the, like, you know, that he's still putting out new bands. He's putting out represses. He's, he's got the fire lit under his ass and he wants to keep going and war records. Andrew is still, you know, he's, he's looking for new bands. He's putting out new stuff and act uh, just played their first show. And they've got it. And act is ex members of this band called uh, dying for it. Um, and the drummer and singer are husband and wife, and they just moved up to Portland, started a new band called Enact. They have a two-song promo on War Records. It's really good, melodic hardcore. Is Kyle in that? From I uh, think yes, I Kyle think so, is in right? it. From yeah, yeah, Monday? yeah. Oh, great. And um, it's good. And and uh, Andrew also just signed a new band from San Diego, a new straight edge band. I think they're called Abstain. Yes, uh, please. Yes. And yeah. um, so I just, you know, I, I love as a label owner, as a band member, as someone who's still active in hardcore, seeing these guys who I'm going to throw this out there, even older than me, still doing this stuff, doing it well and and have a passion for it. It's really inspiring and motivating. So bit at bow indecision records and war records. 
I would like to give a bit of bow to our friend, Oisey Ronsberger and his excellent label, End Hits Records. A um, little bit of updates for End Hits. So we talked before about that purpose and the, uh, the shelter, the purpose, the passion record. The one that like, even if you don't listen to the record, you should buy it because it just looks so sick. Yeah. Um, that is completely sold out in Europe. Un- unreal. By the time that you hear this, it very well could be sold out from the Death Wish store as well. Mm-hmm. But you can always check. Um, there's a new Nathan Gray. Uh, he, he, you know, is the singer Boy Sets Fire um, album called Rebel Songs that comes out December 17th. So a little after you'll be hearing this. And that was produced by one of our favorite people in the entire world, Brian McTernan, who, um, who coincidentally is featured on this episode. Who also produced uh, Count Me Out. Yes, he did. <laughs> and <laughs> what else did he produce? A Ashes. lot of stuff. What do we always do? What is Oh, the fu- who recorded 108's classic record, <laughs> yeah. Threefold Misery? The only, record that Vic, the only record that Vic said sounds the way he wanted it to. That's an impressive statement, you know, because he's played on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And we've heard Vic. his microphone quality on the Zoom. Yes. And it is A+. So, uh, yeah, end hits. Um, you know, and we already talked before. They, uh, they're they doing the new Hot Water music and uh, Be Well when they have their new record on Rev. End hits will be handling... Um, the European, the war on illusion stuff you can still get. There's a, a hoodie and t-shirt and the zine, uh, the book of all the zines, which our very own Javier interviewed uh, Porcel, AKA Parmenunda Das yes. for the front. So a lot Haribo. of cool stuff. Yes. So. And also I found out this week that Oise is also a pepper man. So just want to bit up. Uh, How did you find this out? He, he, <laughs> he, told, he, he told me because I posted that I, I finished reading that uh, Anthony Kiedis book, Scar Tissue, which was gifted to me by my jujitsu coach. It's like 450 fucking pages, right? You read it, Greg, you know. Yeah. And um, and I posted it on my Instagram story and Oisey's like, God, I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's always nice to meet a fellow pepper man. Dude. Dude. I never, I don't really understand. I'm probably, I'm going to get a lot of shit. I absolutely understand the hate for it. I absolutely understand. I guess I don't for the early, like, because, well, but I guess though, but like, if you think about how connected they were to hardcore and stuff, like, you know, they, well, to punk, to, to, to to like, like, first wave hardcore with fear and all that stuff. Keith Morris sang a show. Sure. Of theirs. Their uh, footage and thrashing is sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, let me backtrack. I can see why people <laughs> don't like, Dude, they because, me. you know, they, um, they often would get like, I'd see things where they're like, Anthony Kiedis is like the worst vocalist of all time. It's no, like, absolutely not. But, um, like, you know, as someone who likes like, you know, they turn me on to like fire hose and Mike Watt, mm. you know, cause the cool. blood sugar sex magic is, is dedicated to Mike Watt. And I think that record's great. And Mother's Milk, like they're my favorite, but yo, I'll be honest, I think they have some later tracks are good. They yo, Later tracks? Yeah, Scar yeah. Tissue, yeah. All My Friends, uh, fucking Californication, Soul the to nonsense Squeeze. Lyrics are no, soul, soul to Squeeze is great. Soul to Squeeze. You, you lost awesome. me at the nonsense um, lyrics. <laughs> even even the, uh, the, the Stadium Arcadium had songs like, 
Uh, I like Danny California. Like I yeah. like all those songs. They I got care. tracks. But and who's, you know what? I feel like man. when I was growing up, it wasn't like people didn't really hate them the way that they, they do didn't. now. Right? Oh, I liked them up until um, what is the record with Dave Navarro? One one, one hot minute. minute. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, tracks, that's, that's when I stopped completely. I and mean, that's when I, I do only feet like, first into hardcore. The only ones that I actively listen to are usually like I reach for Mother's Milk or yes. Blood Sugar. I found um, a the vinyl solution, the record store that I go to, and the dude always talks me into buying original CDs. And I bought an original CD of Mother's Milk. And the, the insert is like newspaper print almost. I, rem- I had that one. Yo, it sounds great. And those songs are fucking good. Magic Johnson, like fucking come on, dude. Like th- dude, the opening track. So good many time, boys. I love that song. Knock Me Down. Yeah, Knock Me Down. Great fucking song. The last song, Johnny Kick a Hole in the Sky is great. Yeah, so uh, I will, I'll, I'll reach for Mother's <laughs> Milk and uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. That's got some tracks also. And uh, I like um, Uplift Mofo a lot. The one. Mm, I, uh, see, I don't, I don't really like the stuff before Mother's Milk as much. They weren't, they didn't quite have their sound dialed in yet. Like police can, helicopter and shit like that. It's just. But the first album's uh, the, um, when you say original, I'm going to go back to when you say original CDs, you mean because like a lot of those they reissued. And yeah. Mastered. Uh, yeah. Re- or or to get like the actual 1991 non brick walled. Yes. yes. You know, whatever. I've, I, I have found usually it's from a better audio source. It's maybe produced better. Like some of those CDs even feel heavier. Like if you find an original press of quicksand slip, that CD is so fucking heavy. It's like weight heavy. Yeah. And, and so I think if you buy an original special CD an original mother's milk CD, you know, first press or whatever, it's going to sound better. I agree with you. And I, I was thinking actually, you know, when I used to buy only CDs, I, um, when there'd be like a reissue, like say I had like, like dinosaur junior, you know, I had green mind mm-hmm. and then they did, you know, maybe 15 years ago or whenever they reissued them and they had like bonus tracks and liner notes, I would always get the reissue and then trade the old one in mm. like, just cause I was like, well, this is right. Newer. I don't need it's this. Gonna, yeah. yeah. And um, it's funny. Cause now when I try to acquire them to throw in the car, I, I always just get the, the originals as mm-hmm. well. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't need all the, I just want the album as it is. You know, I don't need all the extra stuff because I can just get that on, you know, iTunes or Spotify or whatever. Yeah, so. I really feel like the so, the source audio used to be different. It was from analog source, not digital source. The compression is different. And of course, it also depends how you listen to it. If you listen to it in your car versus listening to it, whatever, in like box or something like um, don't don't even fucking say who. But the new Idols record. uh I want to buy the CD of it because the production on this record is really, really good. Kenny Beats produced it, who's like a hip hop producer. And I think that me taking that in by listening to it off of Spotify on Bluetooth in my car, I'm I'm losing something. I think that I'm I'm not getting the full effect. So I, I want to purchase it on CD. I bought it on tape also. So now I just need to have it on every medium, basically. 
that's how I am now with like a few artists. That's what I did. Like Nirvana. Yeah. Sloan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I went junior, but I went to I band practice this morning before here. The last thing our guitar player, Ekaraj had like 10 whole seven inches, the band whole. And I'm like, dude, why, why do you have so many whole records? He's like, I like whole. I don't know what's the, and he, what? and he, and he had a couple like bootleg Sonic youth, seven inches and just like weird stuff. And I was like, man, you like held on to your shit. Like, you know, cause sometimes you let parts of your collection go or whatever. He's like, yeah, I bought it. And then I just put it in a box and I never got rid of it. I'm like, nice. Oh, must be nice. Jason, you had something to add before we, uh, Oh no, on. I was just looking through the chili peppers catalog and got weak off Catholic school girls rule. <laughs> yeah. It's a reminds me of the <laughs> Lee, leeway had the, uh, didn't leeway have the Catholic school girls too. It's on, uh, it's on the first album. It's on born to expire. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, well, I think we can get into the interview, which this was, um, Hav was out of town because we recorded this, um, over holiday Mm -hmm. and I was uh, away on holiday as they say in Europe, Jason, Jason and I, uh, got to talk with Garrett, um, Chris Daly and Brian McTurnan because he, uh, produced the seven inch and it was kind of, was kind of what like really got his production career uh going full steam so i hope you enjoy this conversation as much as i enjoyed having it so i think we can let's can i kick it kick it kick it Jason, you want to kick it off? You want me to kick it off? Yeah, I do want to kick it off. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about the Texas The Reason 7-inch, Revelation Records, number 47. And what I wanted to start by asking is how the idea for the band started. And I think that was more Chris's um, idea. So just what you were listening to, what inspired you to start the idea of Texas The Reason? Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when it started, Garrett was still up in Buffalo. He wasn't even a glimmer in our eye yet. We didn't even, and when I say, uh, you know, us, it was, it was uh, Norm, me, and Scott. And we had kind of, you know, at the time, it really started to solidify, like, let's really do this, I think was the summer of 93. When I was on tour, Norm and I were on tour with 108 and Shelter that whole summer. And it was like a ridiculous, like, three and a half month tour. So we had a lot of downtime. And during that, like Norm and I were, you know, kind of planting the seeds of doing something a little more melodic. We were listening to a lot of like sugar, um, you know, probably some shoegaze, even though that was just, you know, I mean, I was listening to that, but it wasn't really like the biggest influence yet. But there was a lot of like melodic stuff we were listening to. We were like definitely uh, all on the same page. Me, Scott and Norm had, uh, Scott was, Fountainhead had finished by then. Norm was playing second guitar in Shelter that whole summer. And we had seen each other a lot 
throughout the summer. Scott was around, he always had shows. And um, so we had just started talking about like, let's start something melodic and, you know, a little more straightforward. And that was it. It wasn't really anything like we thought we would devote ourselves to or, um, so it took a while to get the wheels going, but we had, you know, the three of us had started talking about it really. And, uh, I had you guys jammed at your house? I don't know. If, like, that's the thing that's foggy now. I would need one of them to chime in. I, maybe we got together once and kind of put the pinnacle of the, the, the EP songs together. And that's where we're like, all right, we need someone to sing. And it was like, right at that moment. I mean, there was like, you know, like we had ideas, but just nothing, everything was like, you know, we'd think of people and it just, there was always obstacles and it was, it was obvious that wasn't the right person. And all of a sudden, like Garrett had been spending time at the equal vision loft in Manhattan. Right. I mean, you had been coming down there, I guess, like, or maybe I was, I was, I was exiled to it because Copper kicked my ass out of the band. And um, I think I had already had started like a pen pal thing with Norman yeah. at that time, just kind of bullshitting back and forth. I think you and I too, mail. because like you did like a resurrection show. Up- yeah, you stayed at my mom's house. Yeah, and then we were pen pals, and yeah, we sending tapes and all that stuff. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, there was the, the seeds were planted by that, but it was right at that time though where you were. Everything went down with copper. It was like oh, I yeah, I moved. I moved to New York and. Yeah. I well, I in quotes moved to New York with a suitcase and like three socks and you know whatever I could fit in my suitcase that I still have. Um, but I remember I didn't have money to pay rent, so guess what I was doing to pay rent? Packaging copper records. Anybody? The band that just kicked me out. <laughs> so were you guys? Were you guys? You know, I'm thinking about the time frame ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, and you know, given age your age at that point late teens early 20s were you also getting a little bit you know you get that itch like you're kind of bored of of hardcore like you you know you like the stuff you like but it's like some of the stuff going on at that point like I just remember um and it you know it sort of parlays for me into bands like Texas is the reason and stuff like where you start kind of broadening your horizons a bit and being like there's like other stuff out there um, you know, yeah. sort of like what we talked about before rolling, like stuff that you kind of missed because you were just in this tunnel of like, you know, $5 basement shows. I mean, I think for me, it was like, I, you know, I grew up with older siblings. So like the first music I was introduced to was like classic rock. And, you know, who Zeppelin, Dead, Stones, Beatles, like, you know, that was big in my family. And I got I got into that. And then it was by the time I was a teen, I was, you know, you start, I guess, you know, I was just finding my own music and that's where metal came in really big. And then that led me to punk and hardcore and stuff. And it was like, you know, for five years, that was like all I listened to, but I still always liked the who, and, you know, I'd always listen to like Led Zeppelin and always get that in there. But then, you know, just like I found myself, the more, the longer I played drums, the more I started, you know, it was also like by that point I had been playing in bands since I was 18 and I was like 23 when Texas started coming together. So like, you know, just was playing a little different, you know, playing outside of like fast beats and like, you know, mosh beats and stuff. So like, I, you know, when I would play at home, I would be playing along with music that was more like, you know, straightforward rock music, whatever. But I think, yeah, it was just like a natural, like we had done, I mean, doing Resurrection and 108, uh, you know, it was a pretty intense, like five years of playing shows and like, you know, it was, it was great, but it was like, I just, I found it was natural that I like, 
I just wanted to put, see what it would be like to play something a little different. And it was like right. finding people to do that with to naturally. I mean, the one thing about Texas is like, it may have seemed like we made this like decision to kind of make a left turn, but it was like, we kind of were just like, we stayed in our lane and made this music. So in, in turn, like when we came out, like we were a hardcore band, like now it's like, you know, it's reclassified as emo or, you know, but I mean, at the time it was like, there was the only thing we could have been called is post hardcore. You know, that was the thing, that was the phrase that got <laughs> a little, but we were playing like, you know, our first batch, I mean, you look at our shows. I mean, the cool thing about us was like, we could play with Ida on Sunday night at Brownies and then we could play with Madball or, you know, Snapcase on right. Friday. The chat and we, and Chris and I'd be in the pit for both of those shows, Ida and Madball. Just, well, just, it's, <laughs> it's funny because as a, as a fan, you know, and as a young kid kind of getting into it, I felt like at least... And I don't know where you get this because it wasn't like it was finding on the internet, but it was always kind of put as like three hardcore guys and then this guy Garrett, you know, singing. But like you're talking about, you know, Garrett was the most hardcore out of all of us. That's, that's what I'm saying. I've seen like, pictures of Garrett, Garrett with an instead you know, T-shirt, and you know, remember Garrett, that Garrett, I grew up. I mean, I- yeah, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Everybody, you got to remember that. <laughs> right. And you look at old pictures from Buffalo from like, you know, 89 to like. Yes, I've seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of those pictures like up front, like going nuts. And that I mean, that's when I met him. He was doing that for my band. I mean, you know, that's not, 100% not a lot of people true. did that for Resurrection, but especially <laughs> you go to Buffalo, you go to a town that's like, you know, far away. And it's like, you know, there's less people doing it. Like in New Jersey, we kind of we were in like a little bubble, you know, but you go play Buffalo and it was like a handful of people, you know, but that's how Gary and I became friends. We, we were, were true believers. We were. Yeah. Hard. Cause I, I, I always we found were, that yeah. interesting. Cause like I said, in the beginning, it was like, that was kind of the way it was painted. And then <laughs> historically I look back and I've seen, you know, bit of bow to our friends, nickel city soundtrack podcast, you know, they shared pictures of like, like I said, Garrett with like the old, you know, straight edge hardcore tees and the X hands <laughs> up front and stuff. So you guys all came from hardcore and then you're doing something a little different. And um, I know that there had been, uh, we had our, our friend of the pod, Jeremy uh, Chatelon. He was originally talked about to possibly sing, I guess, before Garrett, right? It was, um, it, he was someone we hadn't, because we had heard he was through Richie Birkenhead because Jeremy had, had wrote for Into Another and that's how I met Jeremy, um, you know, before handsome you know all that jeremy was just on tour with into another all the time so i would see him and we'd hang out and um yeah we were just like i think uh, the last time like shelter and 108 were in um uh, uh salt lake city on that tour and jeremy was like hey i'm gonna be moving to new york and that was just kind of like things like yeah i'm just you know i need to get out of salt lake i'm moving to new york and so like we had kind of let that marinate like oh maybe that'll be that'll be you know fruitful you know at the time we get stuff going but by the time we had actually got our gears in motion and he had been out there it was like he had already joined handsome and handsome had already gotten their deal with that thing. so it was like he was right. off the so that was it was quick it was like an idea but it wasn't like something that it was pretty quick that it, it wasn't going to work out but that's it was probably like like at that point we had some songs and we were like all right we need a singer to make it work and it was like almost immediately after that it was like when garrett you know, we'd heard Garrett was moving to New York. He's going to be living at Equal Vision, which is like we rehearsed the next block over, basically. We yeah. played our show there. And I think like, to, you know, to get to where uh, we can get Mr. McTurnan in on the conversation. What's up, Brian? Hi, um, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, we have Hi. a special guest. They see our, our good buddy, Brian McTurnan. 
Um, Brian here. Hi. Uh, And it's just always great to have a reason to talk to Brian. So we'll we'll find a we could find a way to shoehorn him in almost any any of these episodes. I'll kind of get us up to speed to where we got. You know, sure. it was pretty fast. Everything was fast. Like we did not spend a lot of time rehearsing as a band in general. Like we never really did. So it was like we wrote the EP songs. Garrett was moving to New Most York. Most of which I wasn't at the beginning. I wasn't playing guitar. Yeah, you were just singing. That's right. Yep. Uh, yep. We we I didn't even own a got, guitar. <laughs> we're like, let's play a show. Like let's do. You know, um, we could. You know, Steve and Kate were like, do it. Why don't you play a show here? Play your first show in our loft. You know, in the where in the Made the big room we saw the pictures began by, by the uh, way um adam tanner adam, yeah uh, yeah our, our that's the only patron bit of boat i mean adam. i'm glad that's all that really exists that show guitars yeah i mean we we just kind of like i remember we crammed rehearsals to just bust out like whatever five or six songs we played that day but it was so much fun because it was just all our friends samuel was there too who you yep. know we had a really good friendship with you know both our bands and it was but a great Chris, the band, but it kind of, yeah. Chris, uh, I think that first show was after the recording, though, because I was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, Whoa, I, I really? came down. Yeah, and that's yeah. the first time I met Steve Holy Reddy. Shit. You came to that, that show, that Ryan? Show. Yes, I yeah. was there. No yeah. shit. So yeah. that makes sense. So was... what we did was we had the songs together. We, I think Garrett had, you know, he, was, he hadn't moved to New York yet because, but he was planning on, so he, we got him down there to get some rehearsals in. We learned the three songs on the EP, which was just going to be our demo. And what happened was we, we booked time with Brian. We we're like, let's record it. And he was up in Boston at the time. And the way to get Garrett, because Garrett was still in Buffalo, but the way it worked out, we t- timed. I remember that weekend. Uh, I think it was like fr- either Thursday night or Friday night. I was playing a show at 108 with Snapcase up in Albany. So Garrett, <laughs> arrived. Garrett, Garrett was going to come with a uh, Snapcase. And then after the show, through the middle of the night, Garrett and I drove to Boston to Brian's. We got there like, and Scoots and Norm were already there. Yeah. And we, woke, you know, we got there really late. We woke up the next morning. We just we rehearsed a couple of times, and then I just remember Did- I still remember setting up the drums in in Brian's like laundry room. I was like, yeah, and so like you know, and Did just we like sleep I- down in that basement too. I, I doubt that. I, wait, wait, <laughs> I there know. was a house. That house yeah, I was living, I was, I, to call that a basement is a stretch. I mean, it was a cellar. <laughs> and, yeah, like, and, uh, he, he lived there at the time. Trey, Trey from Death Wish, um, right. Pete Riley, Sweet Pete, uh, Ben Sweet I mean, Pete. It was, oh Jesus. my God. Yeah. That's it was, right. uh, it was so, it was, it was crazy. Remember, Chris, it was like, you could hardly, the room was so small that the drums were recorded and you yeah. could hardly even get out to come back. And yeah, listen to it. I remember I had, I remember everything being like, re- like, you know, having to sit much closer and on top of everything that I was comfortable with, but I was like, whatever, we'll just, wow. it's a demo, you know, that's what it's like, it's a demo or just, it's a demo, yeah. thinking like that, you know, like, it's such a weird, you know, you should always, every recording, you know, now you're just like, every recording is a recording, but it's like, then you like, well, the, I, I don't think anybody had any idea how good it was going to come out. I mean, it was like well, it was a I demo. Was, I was just like, you yeah, know, in our heads, it was a demo. Video. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that it was sounded really like crazy. A, I remember that. So that day, yeah, I I knocked out the drum tracks, and then you guys worked all day, and then that night we went out, you know, blew off some steam. I remember, but then I remember we came back, and you guys worked into the night. Like me and Garrett went to sleep, or you know, I know I did, and I remember waking up the next morning. And hearing off in the other room, like some playback. And I was just like, what the fuck 
like I, I just couldn't understand how it sounded like that at that point and like yeah. how it had gotten to that you know like it just like because I just my expectations yeah. were just so it was going to be so raw and like you know yeah. rough even we're, our takes on it but it just it sounded like the, like, the funny thing is we never even we never even mixed it like I basically got up early because you guys had to go on Sunday and just yeah. ran off a quick yeah thing and then the next thing i knew jordan was calling like hey i need to get that texas is the reason master and i mean i, like, I remember what? it i remember it sounding like i remember us when we would rehearse and it would sound fucking good in that room when we rehearsed and i remember my initial thoughts were fuck it sounds so good it sounds just like we do in, in at practice you know, because yeah. like, I really wasn't even comparing it to what we sounded like live because right. that really wasn't part of our, our world yet. Uh, we had right. obviously, you know, played a couple of shows, you know, done some stuff, but it just sounded exactly how I felt it should sound. Right. Well, it's, you know, what's funny is you guys were talking about like this being this big departure and did you make this decision? And Chris was saying we were kind of like a hardcore, I mean, it, it just felt like the, a totally natural progression for me because I had known Norm from Shelter, Chris from Resurrection, Garrett, you mostly from like Ashes shows and Split Lip, right? Yep. Yeah. And Buffalo and, shows. And, and it place. just felt like Texas. I mean, it, it. the funny thing is, I just remember when you started singing, I thought, this sounds like Turning Point. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I was gonna, back then and now, I would take that as a huge compliment. I was going to ask about Garrett, your your vocals, because I always thought like your vocals were different than a lot of the other, um, you know, bands that Texas would get lumped lumped into eventually. You know, that whole um, you know promise ring and and all that stuff. Yeah. What would like were were you just like this is the way I sound, or did you have any like? vocal touch points of people who you're like oh, i would love to have that kind of vibe well when i before i left buffalo like the first time after high school I and mean, up until then the, the bands i was in we were just hardcore bands and uh screaming basically is all i did but i could kind of pinpoint it it was when i the first time i left home when i moved to um indianapolis to kind of be um get connected with the guys in, in split lip and that community kind of the midwest community that was kind of the just that the midwest thing that was going on at that time like endpoint and um split lip and the band, avail stuff that i got turned on to from them like there was more melody in what was going on there than what i was used to just in buffalo at home and the bands that came through buffalo um and by that time, I had already kind of discovered the Smiths and the kind of that British wave. And that's what I was singing along to in like my Walkman, you know, in the back of the van or on the bus or wherever I was. It was, but at the same time, still loving Gorilla Biscuits Start Today and Turning Point, It's Always Darkest. And, yeah. you know, like still loving all of that stuff. But um, I, like I said, like moving to the Midwest for the little short flash of time that I was out there, that was kind of where I made a little bit of a, a, a turn into the way I guess I approached, not that I was even in a band down there, you know, right. out, out there. Um, but by the time I had come back to, you know, to, to the East coast and um, 
and the bands that I was in, like right before I made the big, the jump down here to New York. Um, Garrett, was, I, yeah, I I think that um, I think the first time we met was maybe at More Than Music Festival. Could that have been the first time. I it was it was the you first didn't time play Buffalo think, before then. I don't, we hadn't played Buffalo before then, but I think about that kind of collection of bands that like. That was the first time I ever heard Split Lip, Lincoln, Snapcase. Mm. Like, it, I think people don't realize that all of that stuff was kind of in the same bubble back then. The scene sure. wasn't big big enough to have it be like only bands that sound like Snapcase or yeah. with Snapcase. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, we were I mean, to really me, lucky to, in that sense. To me, like the the way that the band sounded, like you coming, knowing you from this, that Split Lip like crew and the melodicness of shelter and Chris's style, like it just all made sense to me. It felt yeah. like such Brian, a cool combination. Um, yeah. I always wondered, cause I'm trying to do the math in my head. How old were you when you recorded this? 18, 17? 18, 18. Oh my God. Was this the first, <laughs> was, was this the first, like, I don't want to say high profile, but like this was like kind of the first thing I can think of, right? Or did you record? Well, you know, the interesting thing about the, the this record was I had at that point, I think, recorded like Converge and Piebald and, and some of the Boston bands. But this really, I mean, totally changed my career 100% because all of a sudden it was like, I mean, fortunately, I didn't know what I was doing, but they were so good. <laughs> and the little dirty secret is like, if bands are good and you just get out of the way, it typically sounds pretty good. Um, but <laughs> I think I got some credit for this that I didn't deserve. And um, But I mean, just little things like, you know, going down to the first Texas show, I met Steve Reddy and I went on to make 50, you know, 30 records with right. Steve Reddy. I mean, he just put out, I mean. That's incredible, the, the, man. The, the web of things that came from this. And, and that's how I ended up doing the um, Went Away um, Three Full Mystery record was from Texas is a Reason. And I think once people started seeing my name with like 108 and Texas is a Reason, it became like, oh, why not? Kind of. Right. Jason, you and, had something Oh, I mean, I remember when Catman went to record with Brian, we were pumped because he had recorded Texas Reason and Pete yeah. wanted Chris Daly's drum sound so bad. And you said, <laughs> look, all I did was set up mics that Chris could play anywhere and those drums are going to sound the way they do. So, To be fair, well, Brian, you know, like, you know, you do you, your credit is that like you were the first, like, you know, I mean, I only had done a few. I mean, Don Fury, that recording was pretty great, but I mean, like, other demos and stuff that I had done before that with bands and like the resurrection LP is like, I never, it was the first time that I really like with recording with you was like, even just what I was hearing back while I was recording sounded like us. Like it didn't sound like a studio. It sounded like yeah. Yeah. us like us. And at the time, like we didn't know we sounded like, that. like we knew, right. you know, we were on, you know, you start to feel like, all right, these songs, they got a little something happening, but it was like hearing that back is what gave, put the wind in our sail. Yeah, like, and, Brian up and, and the thing was, the, it wasn't high profile. Like when we came out, we were like the lowest man on the totem pole on Revelation. Like almost like we had to prove ourselves. Like, I mean, like, you know, they had put out Sensefield, you know, Sensefield, Farside. That had definitely like, op- you know, parted the waves for us to kind of come in on Revelation. But at the time it was like a little like, you know, still hardcore label. So it was like, 
bands like, sure. had to kind of prove ourselves and like that's yeah we i mean one of the reasons we burnt out so fast was because we never said no to playing anywhere with anyone i mean maybe there's a couple we were just like whatever but we just we played all the time i mean there were times in new york city where you could catch us playing like four nights a week you know three nights a week sometimes like and it was just like i think that perseverance of just always playing and just honing ourselves to be like uh, like no matter who we're playing with or we're going to be as you know good a live band as we could be i mean we kept we kept well, that one right up to the end you know like just putting as much as we can into it you know the cool thing for me about this record was that we were all friends beforehand and everybody came in like you know with no expectation so i didn't feel i felt like i could just be myself and i didn't feel like you guys were like shit this I mean, nobody thought it was going to come out as well as it did. So yep. I had kind of the freedom to like, not, you know, figure it out along with you guys. And there was like such a comfort level for me from Ashes having played with Resurrection, knowing Garrett so well, knowing Norm and, um, you know, it was just kind of a perfect, it was a perfect situation. Yeah. Up, up until you, Brian, you know, my, uh, my track record with producers, you know, had just been cr old crusty guys in Buffalo who owned weird studios <laughs> downtown, you know, like right. um, it was, it was, I, I was just really agreeing with what you were just saying. Like, not only were we peers, we were buds and right. like quite literally from the same little bubble. So uh, there was no weirdness at all. I, I meant to ask before I forget what was going on in the news that day. There was something big oh, going was, on. It, April 29th. It was April 29th. Yes. Florence and Normandy. Yeah. Uh, Florence and Normandy. Ronnie King. Yes. Oh my it gosh. Happened. And that's what that we, was on the news. We, re we recorded the EP on April 29th. That's, I mean, because oh we, we woke up in the morning and we tracked into the morning of the 30th and you mixed it by the morning of the 30th. But I mean, the yeah. bulk of that EP was recorded the day of like. Yeah, right. Because you guys got yes. there on Friday night. Like we, st we just recorded pretty much all in one day. Yeah, yeah um, pretty much one. So the, the the funny thing about being on this call right now <laughs> is yesterday I had coffee with Elena Ritchie. No, yes, who sent so sends her she? love. Yeah, she's wonderful. Oh, man. oh my god, awesome. I'm trying Way to get back at her. I, I, I'm trying to get her to come on the Where It Went podcast. I yeah, told her Javier, her. Would love Javier, would like <laughs> his head would <laughs> explode. <laughs> she, he, when I told her I was doing this today, you should have seen the smile on her face. It was, oh, that's it amazing. Was, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, that's um. That's awesome. So when you guys went to record, so there's three songs on this. You'd mentioned it was recorded most likely before the first show, but you played five yeah, songs. Was. What other songs? Were, was. What other songs were kicking around? Um, After that, I mean, I think uh, something to forget. Uh, was early, yeah. Was the next song after the EP song. So it was that before was before we go too far. I'm not sure I played a lot of guitar in the seven inch. <laughs> now that I think it's, about it, it's possible. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think you did. I think it was. I. I was only. I only had 16 tracks, and so. Um, yeah, I don't I think, think I played any guitar on it. It was pretty limited with the. I think it was just like Norm play. I mean. My recollection was that the basics were tracked live and then Norm just did a second guitar track and maybe like a couple little things. And that was oh. kind of it. Yeah. yeah. I just remember the, the guitar amp was set up in like next to the washing machine. Oh, that's <laughs> that I remember. <laughs> but for the first show, you're playing guitar, right, Garrett? 
Yeah, yeah, and I don't ask me whose that was. I have no idea. Um, it was a Stratocaster, I think. It must have been maybe somebody from Samuel. Could have been, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you new to the idea Scott of, Dresslers. of um, singing and playing at the same time? Was that like... Oh, yeah. I, know I, mean, I, I, learned, I still can't really do it. I like, learned how to do that. I learned how to do that in the Daly's basement. Okay. Yeah, I learned that's, that in Long, Long Valley, New Jersey. That's where we started. And my parents, the house I grew up in in our basement was kind of yeah. direction practice there. Lifetime in the beginning. We practiced that a couple times there when I was doing that. Um, 108 might have snuck in a rehearsal, although I was a little scared to bring them around to my parents. Like, you know, <laughs> if we did, I was like, dude, if you guys come, you got to full on, put on car me clothes and like, yeah, we got to go. I was just gonna say you get. We're just a hardcore band. You know, Rob's my parents never coming in with. They knew the the long or tall of like you know one away, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, you know it's a funny thing, Brian. You were talking and you said about the washing machine, and I just remembered something about that recording that's like, like I will never forget when we finished what is actually the actual take of if it's here when we get back on that EP, I remember, you know, like just messing with my snare, like thinking, you know, tuning it and like over and over, just meticulous, trying to get this like perfect sound. Right. And we, I guess, you know, we, we rehearsed it a few times and like did a, maybe a couple takes. And I just remember when that take, when we finished it, I was like, I looked down and like, I just, something seemed weird. And I looked down and one of the lugs on my snare was almost like completely loose. So oh that, my God. really, you know, it's like that snare sound, which is like kind of like awesome. Yeah. I still have that snare, but it was like, it was actually like not, re- it wasn't in tune. And I had one of the lugs completely like loose. So it was like cool. the secret to that snare sound. If you want, just, That's so funny. And then remember we went out with Be- Beamer came by and we all like went out and he's got all those cool photos from yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. It looks like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, like, one of them looks like we're in DC, but it's actually just like a little statue by the bridge. In, yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. I think it was but, Harvard Square, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It was late night caffeine yeah. run. Like three Shows you how crazy, how crazy the early nineties were late night Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> run. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Time to make the donuts. So quite literally talking about the photos, uh, what can you tell us about the artwork for the record? I know Richie from underdog and into another did the layout for this. And what about the uh, photo that's on the cover? Okay, so I'm actually, well, I'm staring at a print of it right now. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Yeah. Um, well, that was Mr. Marcus took that photo. Our good friend John Marcus, who also took all the stuff um, on the 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 LP, yep, took those um, and pictures. Yeah, and the, yeah, the pictures of us. Uh, the the photo on the back is um, was taken in the hallway of Scoots and Glenn Mariansky's apartment on Eleventh Street. Um, actually, we, Chris, were we just talking about this? We were we were. Norman and I walked over to, well, Glenn Marianne, we, we, we had the photos taken. John had, John had the, the cover photo. We took the photos in the hallway and then Glenn Mariansky laid it out at the apartment on 11th street. And then um, we walked over to Richie Birkenhead's house in the West village one evening for, for him to, finish off the graphic design i just kind remember do the, the mixing the mastering of the audio. okay yeah you know kind of just make everything yeah yeah but i just remember the computer he he had was just like the size of my fucking tv it was just this monolith 90s 
computer and I remember kind of hovering over his shoulder like as he was sitting at the computer I was hovering over his shoulder oh we'll move this there Chris you weren't there right no I wasn't no I couldn't make um yeah but I uh yeah and who who were the proofs sent to they were probably sent to Norman right maybe I don't remember getting a look at him early on yeah I don't remember I just remember when I saw it and like saw the revelation star in the corner and I was just like, holy shit. This is like, that was what I was going to ask. I really, uh, it really, it was just like, the thing was that you have to like, when we put, when we recorded like our biggest, like we were like, Oh, this would be rad if we could put this out on art monk construction or, um, J tree. J tree or art monk, J tree, art monk or J tree. Those were what we wanted. Those were our friends. Like, you know, between us, we're like, one of those guys is going to like, you know, they're going to, Tim's going to like it or, or, you know, they're going to definitely, one of those guys is going to want to put it out. Turned out they both wanted to put it out and they were both like dear friends. And we're just like, you know, there's just no way to, to decide on that. But that's what it was like Art Monk and Jade Tree both approached us about putting out Texas is the Reason. And it was just like, shit, you know, we didn't know what to do. And then the, the way to decide was really easy that Jordan came into the picture and, uh, you know, he reached out and was like, Revelation wants to put this out. And when they, you know, I was still living in New Jersey. So like these guys would see each other day to day. I would, I was still working out there and, you know, I'd get calls and get, you know, like, Oh, guess who we're playing with this week? Guess, you know, like just (laughs) calls and like, it would be some new exciting thing was happening. Like, Holy shit. Like, you know, it was just like, but that was, was like, you know, I got to call it things Norman. He's like, so revelation wants to put out the record. And I was just like, it just didn't, it, it really was just like, what? I love that. Like, it you just know? didn't seem even, like, you know, in our in our world. But it was like, all right, cool. And But on top of it, it made it easy for us to tell Jade Tree and Art Monk, like, listen, we're going to do it with Jade. You know, Revelation. At the time, you know, that was obviously a really big deal. And, uh, you know, it turned out to be the right right decision for us. But we got to do both Jade Tree and Art Monk releases, too. With You know, we did the split with Samuel. And we yeah, did and played the, countless like, shows with bands with, on both yeah. labels. And- they were in the we got to orbit. Keep, yeah, both those bands stayed within our, you know, both those guys and labels were always in our world, right? You know, the whole time they were a big mm. part of it. So it was kind of cool that we were able to like do that, you know, and sidestep cool. any sort of, uh, you know, uncomfortable decisions. Jason, yeah. do you do you have anything else before we get to, you know, you know? We, you know, we do something on here called Hot Tracks, where all of us name our hot track off the record. Um, for whatever reason it is to you, it could be most, you know, you have great memories associated with writing the song or first time you played it or just you think it is killer when you hear it played back. Um, so I do have to ask the guest of honor, Brian. I'm going to ask Brian first on the Hot Tracks hot seat. Uh, on these, you know, the three songs, and there's, uh, if it's here when we get back, it's ours, Dressing Cold, Antique. Can you pick a hot track? If it's here when we get back, that's my hot track. So memories connected to this? What? I mean, it's just, it's just like, if I put that on, uh, I, I just can like smell the air at the time of recording this and there's so few 
this was such a kind of mile marker in my life in so many ways. I mean, it, who would have thought that, you know, we're doing this together and this would set, you know, 30 years later, I would be producing records still and have everybody still in my life. And it's just because that was, you know, every time I put that cassette in and rewound it and played it over and over, that was the first, that opening guitar riff. I can like feel that moment so clearly. So that's my, my hot track. Awesome. Uh, hmm, let's see. Chris, how about you? Uh, definitely dressing cold. I, I think that song, like, I mean, if it's here, it's just, yeah, I, that when we wrote that, it was like, holy shit. I mean, I mean, we didn't, you know, it's like, I don't know if anybody's been watching this, like Beatles get back, but like, uh, you know, watching their songwriting process is just like, holy, it's intense, you know, like, yeah. and, you know, it, Texas is the Reason is a band that never really got to that point where, I mean, literally all the songs that you, that are out there, maybe there were some parts we labored over, but I mean, like we have the benefit of literally just the songs coming out of us and, and, and everyone kind of doing exactly what they were expected to do to, to blend to the song and, and make it what it was. Cause that's, I don't remember like arguing over too much. Uh, you know, I remember like things kind of just, you know, naturally turning into a song and dressing cold was like, you know, if it's here was just like a lightning in a bottle. It was like, Holy shit. Like this song is so much, fun. I mean, it was just so much fun to play and it was over before you even, you know, you could even really warm up, you know? And it was like, so dressing cold was like, you know, it, it, that was like the first, like, really, it just, it was stretched out a little bit. It had like different, you know, different parts where like the middle eight, where it kind of laid back a little we jammed out, you know, where it started to feel like, Oh, this, you know, you, you could start to hear where our sound comes in. I mean, dressing cold is, you know, probably one of the penultimate, Texas songs to me like you know it really just that is it you know our essence it's got a, it's got a little everything it's got a little bite groove you know it's it but it's definitely like the one song because it was like a little more straightforward and rock so I was like oh we can we can kind of go this route too we don't have to, everything doesn't have to be high energy and you know faster like mm. you know so right that's yeah Jason yo what you got Antique. Antique. I just love that. Yeah, I love that guitar intro. And you have memories as a band of recording these songs, but I have memories of riding my bike around Richmond in the wintertime, listening to this on a cassette. So that's my. Amen. Was there a reason that these were the only lyrics on the um, that were put inside? Because I not that I can recall. I mean, there was kind of like this thing, you know, I don't, it was cool. It was, it was, you know, again, like with the four of us, like we didn't have to like talk too much about things. Like the, the one weird thing, like where I'd say like, like where I mean that like Garrett, Norman Scoots would, would talk about something and they would come to me with it and it was already decided. So think, you know, me come along or, you know, it, it was kind of like they had already like come to, something that they were stoked. The three of them were stoked on. Chances are I was going to be stoked on it. The only time that was, was the band name. When they called, they're like, we're calling the band Texas is the reason. Like, what? like I really, I was like, oh man, this could be a real big mistake. Cause everything up to that point, it seemed like really like, you know, everything was just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the band, I was like, what? But it, 
I came around to it, obviously, and it, it was like, the right way to go. But like, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's amazing how they would all come up to, you know, thing. And then with me, it was just easy to, to get on board and be like, yeah, I'm with you guys. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like a, um, you know, like a conscious thing to be like, I don't want to say mysterious, but like some bands wouldn't print their lyrics or whatever, like just a thing or like certain songs. Like I remember it was like a big deal when, you know, REM Green had the lyrics to one song inside. And I didn't know if it was just something like that. Like, oh, we're going to make them, you can figure out. Maybe, the un- maybe subconsciously, but uh, lead off track, maybe just <laughs> I, keep I, well, guessing. That was, it, was, it was the last track, which was even. Oh, yeah. There you go. I think we were also like all on board with the kind of minimalist approach. Like one of the things, and I mean, the EP it, uh, design in general took a lot from if you look at the lurid traversal of Route 7, the Hoover record. Hoover, yeah. Like, we love that. We As a band, we love that record. I mean, that they were a huge influence. But also the aesthetic, you know, very, like, minimal, tiny, like, script, like, scribble almost. Yeah. Like, just I mean, honestly, if you put those two C records Daily, face-to-face. You know, yeah, they, you'll, you'll see where... You know, you can grab not, it off the shelf. But <laughs> it is. It is. That's... But we like, we definitely were going for that, like, right. yeah, I guess kind of like not mysterious, but I mean, it, it came off as kind of that way, but it was more just like, just everything doesn't have to be like bright and in your face. And like, you know, like we kind of like that, you know, more earthy tones and minimalist approach with that, you know, because the, the lyric thing that leads into my, my hot track um is if it's here when we get back it's ours um wasn't the first texas song i heard like i i went back to this one the lp had come out and that was what i heard first and then you know immediately after loving the lp i was like well i gotta get my hands on you know everything else that they have but in like the early 2000s i i played in a straight edge hardcore band called one up and uh you know we were like a third tier band that didn't, didn't you know we did a couple tours but towards the end we tried to get more melodic and um you know turning point was a huge influence for me and we covered if it's here when we get back and recorded it um which I'm, I'll, I'll send to you guys if you ha- haven't heard it which i, I would have. like to hear that why would you hear it and this was 2004 when we recorded it um at uh, atomic studios with dean and um, I didn't know the lyrics. I had to just like guess them because I, I don't even think in 2004 I had the Internet because like or maybe well, I was living at my parents house. So they, they had it. So I was like, I hope I did an OK job. And I noticed there's a few things where I'm like, I, I think I took liberty there and messed it up because I sang. But that was just such a fun song to play and sing. And people loved it when we would do it, which we played in standard tuning. So we'd always have to, you know. To, 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 to drop bow, bow, for bow. that one but um it's super fun to sing and it has the great mosh like you know a great mosh part in it um but the lyrics i just had to kind of figure out but um we still like you know when we if we play reunions and whatnot that's usually like that's a must to still put into the set because it's just so right on fun. us too so, um yeah like <laughs> like it's just it's it's it is great and i can just imagine 
that being the first song that somebody hears by the band and like Brian said, and just kind of being taken aback by it. So then that leaves us with one more hot track. Garrett, what you got? Old Brown Shoe by George Harrison. <laughs> Good choice. No, um, my hot track would be If It's Here. There's just so much. There's so much to it for me. Um, I mean, the lyrics I, you know, I stole from, you know, the, I stole from a flyer that Daly had on his wall. That was you know, what I forgot was... to bring up. There was a Railhead show, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's yeah. Railhead. Who else? Ignition? No, uh, I could see it. It was band? yellow. Ignition? No, it wasn't Ignition. The after Ignition. Greyhouse, Railhead, Greyhouse. And... Oh, Greyhouse. Greyhouse. And Avail. Avail, Railhead. Avail. Available, railhead and Greyhouse, at and it's at, on the top. It, we we hate you, we hate you all, but it's for free. It was a free show, so mm-hmm. like when the open, like that's the first thing that flashes in my head, and the other thing that you know, like I could feel that song, you know, um, I could taste it. I don't know how else to describe it. Like when we. In the early days, up until the last time we played it on a stage, uh, it just lives and breathes for me. Um, Not my favorite Texas is the Reason song, but it's got the most impact. And Chris, you nailed it with when you said, like, it's just over before it even, you can even really register it, you know, and but... I can recall times from the early days and until, you know, the last time that we played were in my head, like that you know that that pop 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 that snare those snares like that like buildings are crumbling around me you know like um that's how i see it and feel it that's my hot track it's a great choice and yet a bit of bow to my good friend mark uh mckinney he played guitar in railhead and uh i mentioned on the building episode he opened a brand new uh, vegan restaurant in Philly, plant ba- primary plant based. It's fantastic. Nice. Check it out if you're in Philly. And uh, Railhead <laughs> was cool. So, well, guys, thank you so much for thank you us about this record. On. Good to see you, Brian. Brian, love you guys. Thank you. Love you too, buddy. All right. Good Bye, everybody. See you. Thank right. you so much, guys. Thank you. Listen, I listened 
to the Texas is a Reason 7-inch this morning on my way to band practice. And I, the most diplomatic way that I can say this is that this is not for me today. I Why? I didn't and, enjoy... And I ask, but I ask because sure. sometimes I've had, you know, I wonder, like, did you not let... Well, okay, I'm going to answer this is a yes or no question so, so I can get through this thought. Yep. Did you like this in 1995-96? No. Okay. As a 40-something-year-old man, when you go back, like, do you try to listen with, like, a whole different mindset? Or are you still like, well, I wasn't into it then. And I ask because, like, here's a great example. We're on this Zoom. I'm wearing a Bikini Kill shirt. I love Bikini Kill. I listen to them all the time. In the 90s, I didn't really care too much for them. I was like, eh, they're okay. Now, I think they're fantastic. I could almost go back with, like, a whole different lens you know i did the same thing with a lot of bands from then like do you find that maybe your own like you you kind of get in your own way or do you literally listen being like you know what clean slate quicksand pun intended i'm gonna just give this a try as if i don't know anything about this band i feel like being because i make this joke all the time but it's actually true i'm a professional music critic at this point right? We make a little bit of money off of Patreon. So I get paid to talk about music, my opinions about music, and also subjective and objective parts about music. So I believe that with the maturity of age, I can separate how I felt originally about a band and be like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this with fresh ears. Case in point, I recently fell in love with Sisters of Mercy. I liked them before. I thought they were okay. I didn't listen to it too much. But now I've actually sat down, listened to entire multiple albums. I can pick out like, oh, this is where uh, he just got a drum machine and kicked everybody out of the band. And it sounds different than this album. And I I have a newfound appreciation for them. I didn't really grow up listening to goth. I grew up listening to industrial. So I'm more into ministry, skinny puppy, stuff like that. I wasn't really into like Bauhaus and Christian death and stuff like that. So I picked, kind of picked the lane. Anyway, in when this record came out, I loved Get Up Kids. I loved Braid. I loved Mineral. That kind of might have been where my emo this is emo as far as I'm concerned, where my emo listening ended. I loved Screamo, and I mean true Screamo, which most people now uh, begrudgingly refer to as scrams, meaning like Indian Summer, Embassy, Portraits of Past, Fisticuffs Bluff, you know, uh, Universal Order of, of Armageddon, stuff like that, where it's like emotional, screamy, Um, but everyone around me loved promise ring and Texas is a reason and fireside and farside and sense fields. And I kind of didn't, I kind of didn't gravitate towards that stuff. So I, I, I don't know that I ever really gave them all of these bands, like a hard 
like, I'm going to like this band. It was just like, I would hear it in a car or in a girlfriend's house or on a mixtape or on a mix CD or whatever. And I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't enjoy this. And now at age 44 in 2021, I still don't enjoy this. Now, you know what's funny is I didn't like get up kids at that time. They were the mm. only one of those and mineral. I, I, I don't think, and now I think both are great. Uh, yeah. But at the time it was almost like there was, I'll give you this in 19, not really when this seven inch came out, I feel like this seven inch kind of kicked off the whole thing to a degree that revival of the whole, like, you know, sunny day real estate, even the sunny real estate at that point was still a band in 1995, barely, I think they broke up in the beginning, but there were so many bands after that. Cause you had promise ring, Mm-hmm. You know, pre-fame Jimmy World, mm-hmm. uh, Juliana get up, Theory, Get Up Kids, all that stuff, and so I almost was like, okay, I like you know these seven bands or whatever because I liked a lot of them. So some of them fell by the wayside, like Get Up Kids and um, Mineral, and um, maybe like Christie Front Drive. Mm. And now yeah. I think all those bands are are awesome. And like Get Up Kids, like I like their new stuff. Like I think they're great and I wish I would have liked them then. But I can sort of see, especially at the time, it's like when you're inundated with all these bands like that, you do sort of just got to kind of pick a couple. And it's like, okay, these are the ones I'm into and whatever. And like I've been saying for especially the past few releases, maybe that I'm not as into, I can appreciate a lot of stuff about it and and sing the praises especially the drums the yeah, drums on these sick. three songs were great and i think if they would have had a weaker drummer it wouldn't have sounded and i i could almost tell that like if i didn't know this band i'd be like oh this guy hits like a hardcore drummer right like he hits his snare fucking hard yeah yeah be and um yeah, so it, th- these songs just aren't for me. Uh, if I did have to pick a hot track, it would be the last song on the seven inch. Antique. Antique, yeah. yeah. Um, but even that, I thought a lot of the the vocal patterns were a little bit too repetitive and redundant for me. I I didn't really enjoy a lot of them. The sound of his voice was fine. Like, that's what I'm saying. Everything individually about this record, I think is, it's, it's fine. But I just, I don't, I didn't enjoy listening to this record this morning. What do you think the split was with the Get Up Kids that we were talking about earlier? Because I pulled up a list. Okay. We've got Coalesce. Okay, so the Coalesce split is them covering each other's songs. And both of those versions are great. They really did some cool stuff with those covers. And then we got, but that's not the one you were thinking about. Was nope. it the anniversary? Nope. Was it, I know it was not Rocket from the Crypt. Nope. Uh, I think that's everything that I got that I pulled up. Nope. Ann nope. Arbor? No. Nope. Sorry about that. I'm wrong on that one. The song is uh, I'm a loner, Dottie, I'm a rebel, because it's a different version that was on the album. And right. this this version on the split seven inch then appeared on the compilation Eudora. I just pulled all that off the top of my head. I'm not going to lie. Did so you? let me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> when I finally got into Get Up Kids and that 
you know, obviously the big hit one, the something to write home about. It, to me, it just sounds like super chunk. It, it's now, great. Now, here's the thing. I loved Texas is the Reason, but I didn't love Get Up Kids. And I don't know why that was, but I you did like, like something. Uh, I liked that something to write home about LP. I liked it when it came out. Do you agree that they sound a lot like Super Chunk? I never it's listened a, to Super Chunk. It's a fair enough comparison. Super Chunk kind of has a lot of they. If you listen to early Super Chunk, they have yeah. like a cool punkish, gritty feel to them. That yes, fades because to you're the hot, releases. Even though you like Get Up Kids, you'll you probably won't like Super Chunk. Even though logically you should, I've learned that when I think you should, you shan't. And when I think logic you shan't, doesn't apply, you yeah. do. So I mean, I love Super Chunk, but to me, like when I finally actually listen to Get Up Kids, I'm like, oh, they're just kind of like. Super chunk, and they did take Super Chunk on tour, which there's stories all about that. But um, go ahead, Jason. Sorry, I was I just wanted to ask because I know you like Super Chunk, so I was. Just oh yeah, I was gonna to say. You. I mean, Super Chunk. I mean, no Pocky for Kitties, the one to check out. If I was gonna check them out, but it, I don't think that one sounds very good up kidsy. Okay, listen. A label in the '90s. This came out '90. Let's see the. First postmark stamps single came out in 1996 on a label called Tree Records. And that was Ida Deadwood Divine. Second one was Still Life and Cerebus Shoal. So this is like true emo screamo, right? Yes. The third one was Ethel Meserve and Giant's Chair. Uh, Giant's Chair also had a split with Boy's Life. Postmark stamps number four was Braid and the Get Up Kids. And then they did all the way up to number 10. Uh, number six was Tim Kinsella and Jen Wood. So all of these all of these split seven inches, it had like a stamp and then like a postmark on it. And they were like... I feel like I vaguely remember. It was remember. like a, a theme yeah. of... And then Tree Records also did the... Um, Indian Summer discography in uh, 2019, which is a, an, a fantastic bit of screamo, in my opinion, like one of the best ever. So talking about Texas, um, well, Jason, did you like Promise Ring? Uh, yeah, I did. What's the record on J-Tree that had the pink? Everything, everywhere. I like that one. Is that, Wait, is that correct? Wait, Promise Ring? The, the pink... Yeah, it cover? has a what does it have a rhinoceros on the cover? Oh, electric um, pink. Is that electric the name of the pink. record? That was yeah, like, I like that. What's on J Tree? Uh, the, the four song. Yeah, no, everything Forced they did was on J Tree besides the last one. But like, nothing feels good. That was the one I like, and very uh, emergency. Yeah. Thirty degrees everywhere. Uh, I did do, like very emergency. Do you like those half promising? No, this this to me was weak, very weak music. This was at, now I can say this now with hindsight of making fun of my teenage self. But when I was a teenager, this was music for girls. This was not music for a hardcore boy, which I thought that I was. So I haven't gone back and tried to listen to Promise Ring, but I could venture to guess that it's, I'm still not going to be into it. You strike um, me as a guy that would only like the Very Emergency album, I feel like. For some reason, I feel like that's the one you'd be like, I like that one and I don't like anything else. I feel like, like Promise Ring wasn't, because you know, I've, I've said this a lot too. I like extreme 
music. It has to be extremely in like one direction. Like Jets to Brazil, to me, was depressive, right? The lyrics are very depressing. Yes. Um, the, the music is a little bit darker and sadder. To me, Promise Ring and also Texas's Reason is too happy. It's too happy for me. See, I don't get the happy vibe from Texas. Yeah, but not, but, Texas not is... but not pop punk happy, but just like maybe a little bit too peppy. I mean, not necessarily thematically or or like um with their lyrics, but it's just like it's just too I don't know, too poppy for me. And which is weird to say because it's not that I dislike pop music or poppy things. I mean, I just I just proclaimed my love for the get up kids. So I don't know what well, it remember, is. Remember, logic doesn't. Yeah. There's, logic, there's well, no logic in this dojo. The, 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 <laughs> the, what's that? There's a French philosopher, uh, Blaise Pascal, who says, um, God, I think it's Pascal. Please, nobody crucify me. I didn't go to college. But um, what is it? Uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to edit this. Hold on. <laughs> no, you're not editing it. You're not, I only know no, I only know how to say it in French. I don't remember. The heart has its reasons, which reason cannot understand. I didn't have to go. Google that. It just came into See? my mind after I said it. To... After I said it in French, I could understand there it. You go, and you don't have to edit it. <laughs> but like, I guess my you know I was in a different spot because to me, I'm not a tough person. So mm -hmm. as into hardcore as I was, yeah, that's Jason. This yeah. stuff, yeah, Jason like Jason, likes the thug music. This, but yo, this, this is what broke me. Texas this, is what broke me. That's what we, we talked about that in the that. interview where yeah. I felt like, you know, I got into all of this stuff from alternative rock, right? Uh -huh. So to me, it was like I wasn't somebody like you have the people that get into hardcore from metal. You know, uh -huh. And you you know those people. I mean, I, like, I was I was listening to Anthrax and Metallica before I was listening right. to I Minor was, Threat, and I uh -huh. love you know, I love Metallica. I love like I got into that a little after you know REM and Nirvana and Dinosaur Junior and whatever. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was kind of like I get into hardcore, but at the same time, I'm into hardcore. That was also you know '94 Green Days popping mm -hmm. so i do the whole lookout records thing so i've got this like i didn't pick a lane because i mm -hmm. had like i loved like mr t experience and um screeching weasel and green day but i also loved you know starting to get into like the rev stuff did you like 15 and, or was that too like um i had i had an album i think i had uh -huh. an album or two and like i liked crimp shrine and, and mm -hmm. all that stuff and then when stuff like Texas is the reason came, it was like perfect for me because like you said, it still had, you know, especially the drumming, it was still had its backbeat both literally and figuratively in hardcore, mm -hmm. but it was melodic. Mm -hmm. And as much as I did like, like it wasn't like Texas was the first time I liked something that wasn't like immediately pulverizing, but by the time they came along, I was at the right age where I felt like they kind of let me made me feel like I could let my freak flag fly and I mm -hmm. could just like whatever I wanted. And it didn't matter if it was hardcore or, you know, pop punk or, you know, Oasis or whatever. Like they kind of just opened the door and I don't know, man, of all those bands, Texas was my favorite. Like I, I, I liked promise ring and I liked, you know, Jimmy Eat world and stuff, but 
something about especially the full length, but also the seven inch. For me, I just it blows my mind that someone wouldn't like them, but that's just because I'm biased because I just I love them so you much. like them so much. You know, yeah. like you go to a restaurant and you love it, and then you're telling sure. somebody you gotta try this, you gotta try it. Well, I don't think it's that good. It it'd be blows like, your mind because hey, like, it'd be oh. like if someone went up to you on the street and was like, Man, I love your podcast, but that guy, like, he's a fucking idiot. And I and and you'd be like, No, I love that guy. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> right? That it'd be like and that's never happened. Not at all. No, not on the street. In the but yeah, place. like it's like that was I don't know, man. Like, I just I loved that stuff and I loved um, love Texas. And, um, but I, I heard this one retroactively. Like I said, when we talked to them, I heard the album first when it came out and then went back to this. I, I had a girlfriend at the time named, uh, Lizzie McNeil who loved all of this stuff. And then also some like riot girl type stuff. Like what was the band? Go sailor. Yes. And Huggy Bear. And then also she was into like Cub and Tortoise and uh, some of like the kind of kill rock stars type stuff. And I was like, yo, where's the disembodied at? You know, like I always say, like, where's the overcast and disembodied and fucking ignites? So I don't know. I, I, I just wanted some like, I, I think I just... I don't know, man, this, this, this whole, and to me, this is, you're right. Like Texas is a reason kind of like spearheaded a genre, right? Like when you think of this umbrella of these bands where it's yeah. like, yes, it's quote unquote emo, but it's also like a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. Texas is a reason and promise ring to me are at the fucking upper echelon like God tier of that stuff. That's I don't think you would have your newfound glories and your fallout boys and stuff. I if mean, this stuff didn't happen. Uh, Even don't, though don't, they, don't, don't tease me with a good time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. You know, I love fallout boy. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, and I, I love, love fallout boy as well. But I love I think two that, fallout boy records. I think that um, how many, how many records do they have? Fallout boy. Yeah, seven, 27, six. I don't know. I, I think they have six. I love six Fall Out Boy records. Uh, I digress. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, however many they have, that's how many I love. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, do you know what I'm saying? Because like, I think this stuff kind of took it to the next level. Even though, yes. um, you know, emo, as we know, you know, started way before Texas is the reason, you know, and before Sunday Day Real Estate. I think that this was really opened the door to even like saves the day so who then open the door for all that you know speaking of opening the door do you think that quicksand opened the door for texas is a reason in terms of success and where pete bands saw the potential of taking their musical career 100 mm -hmm. and they, they it. said it in the interview they talked about how you know quicksand was like kind of like a benchmark, you uh -huh. know, like as far as like just being like a band that acknowledged like quicksand never made it seem like they didn't come from hardcore. Sure. 
and yeah. they acknowledge it. I mean, you know, their music video, Walter's wearing a negative approach shirt. Like mm-hmm. they, they never hid that, which I admire, but they also kind of showed that like they could do the next thing. And I think that that was what set, you know, that's where Texas and all these other bands kind of came in uh, with that same thing. And, you know, some bands, you don't like someone would have to tell you that they, no, these were hardcore guys, mm-hmm. but that wasn't Dude, the case for. I didn't know that for Texas until we started Garrett, doing a lot of right? research about this. Yeah. For the episode. Oh yeah. Because but I thought uh, that was cool because, and we could talk about this more in uh, the next time we talk about Texas is a reason, but yo, I love that copper record. Yeah. I, I love, like that record. I love yeah. that copper record. And, and it's, um, I, I think nickel city has posted photos of like maybe zero tolerance or bands like that. And Garrett's like a young, like hardcore straight edge kid up front. Right. With like a crew cut and like yeah, maybe an X on his shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we talked about um, in the interview and i I said how, and maybe it was the straight edge thing because at the time Texas existed, I remember reading and it's like three straight edge guys and Garrett. Uh-huh. So maybe I swapped straight edge and hardcore and made it like one, you know, in my memory, because this is 25 years ago. Or sure. whatever. But it was funny in the interview when Chris was like, dude, Garrett was the most hardcore of any of us. Mm. Garrett, apparently, you know, Garrett was booking shows in Buffalo. He was like, you know, all about all these different bands. You know, he talked about his love for reason to believe and how that, you know, linking up with Sensefield later, like he loved all that stuff. And that was really cool to hear. And I do believe there is a nickel city uh, episode where he kind of talks all pre Texas, maybe even pre. Nice. Yeah. Bit at Bo nickel city soundtrack uh, podcast and Instagram, the, they, along with, there's another Instagram account called Rochester Hardcore History, and they do a really good job of documenting the upstate New York, like early 90, late 80s, yeah. early 90s yeah. scene. So I, I really appreciate those dudes, you know, talking about that stuff because that that scene, Buffalo, Syracuse, um, Albany, Rochester, even Erie, produced so much great and influential stuff, uh, especially in those early years. So, uh, I'm glad that somebody is, you know, doing something to talk about that stuff. Agreed. Yeah. So I figure we can, I mean, I don't have anything else to add about yeah, let's this wrap it up. seven inch because mm. I have probably a lot more to add about the full length. Sure. Yeah. That's not until and I have to two. do my, I have to do my homework for that. So yeah. thank God I have some time to do that. Um, Jason, why don't you tell our listeners what our next episode is about? Next episode, we're talking about the Into Another Records, Into Another Records. God damn it. Into Another Final Full Length. Yeah, the final full length record, Seamless by Into Another, released on Hollywood Records, Revelation to the Vinyl. So it's Revelation Records number 48. Sell me your text as the reason shirt. (laughs) <laughs> uh the, the the chain chain of strength rip that's a good one i had the long sleeve oh, uh, of this seven inch uh-huh. it was um it was the you know when you 
I think it was either on the back cover of the seven. I don't. Ha- I'm not holding the seven inch now. I got it right um, here. But where there's the photos. Yeah. The front was just the photos of the band, mm-hmm. and the back said Texas is the reason. Okay, I don't think and, I've ever um, seen that one. It was a black long sleeve. I got it from Revelation, um, and I wish they would redo that one. Come yeah, on, I was, nerds. I was looking for the uh, light yellow Texas is the Reason logo on the front, and then it's got the seven-inch cover on the back. Mm. If anyone has that, sell it to me. I'm buying. Hey, is that picture on the front, did they talk about it at all? Yes. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. They didn't. Really I haven't talk. listened to that episode yet. Okay. Garrett has uh, the actual print of it. Uh-huh. He showed it us. looks like a Joshua tree, right? Is yeah. it in is it in somewhere in uh, the desert in California here? Did he say? We he didn't get in the specifics. We just well, talked you, about who took the photo. Can you can you message him and ask him? Yeah, that looks like an airstream in Joshua tree. Yeah. And like I don't like I'm saying I don't really like this record, but I would have a print of that if someone wanted to make prints of that photo and sell them. <clears throat> Garrett, uh, I would buy one for $25 and put it in a frame. I'm just saying. 25 US dollars. 25 USD plus shipping. All right. Well, we'll catch you on the next next episode. Peace out. What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. Just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top tier patrons. Billy Tunnell, Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Cliche John, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, Dustin Perry, Greg Jackson, JPD2, Jeremy Holahan, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Rob Moran, Ryan Walker, Tim Shear, Siren Records, and Dollar Slice Bootlegs. Listen. If you want more information about how you can help us out every month, please go to www.whereitwentpodcast.com. You'll find a link to our Patreon and some other cool shit. So otherwise, later. Later.